0: Hey there, freedom fighters! My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is somebody who got funded, finally did it, got to Silicon Valley, finally did it. I don't know why I'm banging on my I'm banging on my table about it. Um, it didn't work out. He was. I think you were even asked to leave the country, Carlos. Am I right? You're right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sucks the Silicon Valley dreams didn't work out for him, but he's still at it. He ended up coming back with a bootstrap company. Bootstrap company is doing better than the previous business that didn't work out. He is, it turns out, back in the US, in fact, living just like right over the Golden Gate Bridge for me, not far at all. Um, and I invited him here to talk about how he did it. His name is Carlos Gonzalez de, uh, de, de Villa-Umbrosia. I had it so right before. Carlos Gonzalez de Villa Umbrosia. He is the founder of Product School. What they do is they bring uh, product managers who are actually working at the companies that their students admire, that the companies that their students should learn from. They bring those on to teach and uh, they train up new product managers that way. I invited him here to talk about how we did it and we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if... Uh, if, you're, if you've are if you got a team, if you're hiring a team this year, if you're paying people, you need to know about Gusto. It's the best way to pay your team. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy to get three months free. And the second, I'm really going to urge you to understand, that, oh, you, Carlos, I wonder if you could use this. I know you could. Zapto. Zapto is going to allow you to find people on LinkedIn, send messages to them, and then get responses that you can convert into sales, into partnerships. Maybe these, this is a good way for you to get new teachers. All right, but I'll talk about Zapto later on. Uh, first, Carlos, good to have you here. Thanks for having me. How much revenue are you guys producing right now? Let's be open. Oh wow! <laughs> I
1: mean, so, as you mentioned, we are definitely we are a bootstrap business. I'm I've been in the I was kicked out of the country <laughs> ten years ago, but I'm back uh, with my new company, Product School, and we've been bootstrapped since the very beginning and profitable. I can't
0: disclose the exact amount. Give me, I can give tell me a you ballpark that. in the millions, in the over ten million. What are we talking about?
1: Yeah, we're talking eight figures.
0: Okay. And, um,
1: you know, I can give you an idea of the, the
0: team We're north of a hundred people full-time. North of a hundred people full-time on this bootstrap company? I had no idea you were that big. These are, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about part-time teachers too, right? Yes.
1: You know, these are very Silicon Valley companies. How much money did you raise? How big is your team? Well, I raised zero. And uh, my team is, uh, you know, a decent size at this point, but I started just myself. And most full-time? of the team is full-time. Oh, wow. And uh, the secret sauce and all of our instructors actually keep their full-time jobs and they teach on the side with us. So that's why why we are able to attract VPs of product from Netflix, Facebook, or Google to participate, give back to the community on weeknights or weekends.
0: Do they get paid if they're a product manager at Netflix, they get paid by you?
1: They do, but to be honest, they don't do it for the money. We're really competing with their family time.
0: And so they do it just for the passion of, because you know what, what I've found, I've had entrepreneurs come here to Mixergy to teach. What I found is there's a certain satisfaction in helping somebody else, but also when you teach, you learn again, you reinforce what matters to you, how you got here, what you stand for. And it makes it easier for you then to go and communicate it to other people and to live it. Am I right?
1: Totally. I mean, we created the first school to teach product management. <laughs> and that's a solution to my own problem. I became a product manager the go. Even though I went to an engineering school and a business school, none of those places actually teach anything about product management. And that's the main reason why also many other VPs of product and other product leaders want to give back to the community because they resonate with the same problem and they want to make it easier for the
0: next generation. What does a product manager do before we get into how you built up the business?
1: Yes. So a product manager, especially in software, is in charge of building websites and mobile apps. And they cannot do it alone. They don't code, design, or sell. They collaborate with teams of designers, coders, and marketers to actually get this on the same page and and ship something beautiful. So, for example, Netflix.com, you will see a beautiful website that recommends you amazing movies and TV shows. Well, there is a reason why they are showing you the right content, because product managers are making sure that they provide a beautiful experience for every single user not just a generic homepage with the same stuff for everyone
0: yeah you and i talked before we got started about how um i've been with netflix forever but i signed up for apple tv i wanted to see ted lasso and what's interesting about ted lasso is it's like what half hour show and you want to watch the next episode the problem with apple tv is It doesn't recommend the next episode. It doesn't autoplay it. It forces you to go hunt. And the only way for me to, at this point anyway, to get the next episode of Ted Lasso was to go back to the homepage, find the Ted Lasso page, see the list of episodes, figure out which one I'd seen. And I think they do give that blue bar underneath it to show how much of the video you watched so I can see which ones I'd seen. And then I have to find the next one, tap on that and open that is a product manager making a decision or not making a decision that determines that user experience versus the Netflix experience, which is as soon as an episode ends, in fact, before it does, the next one's queued up and ready to go.
1: Exactly. Now you know who to blame.
0: And so, we, when you teach it, how do you teach them to, um, to know what to create, to get feedback from users, to create within yeah, so- that
1: loop? So, I started the company in summer of 2014, and a lot of people doubt me saying, You cannot teach this. You have to be a visionary. You need to be born with these amazing ideas, yep. and everyone else will execute for you. Well, the reality is that product management is a little bit of art and a little bit of science. And best products, if you dissect them or reverse engineer them, you realize that there is, there is a process, there's a framework that works. So, what we decided to do was to actually talk to the best product leaders out there, the ones who are working at Google. Facebook, Netflix, and some of those companies, and have them create those those programs for us and, and be able to show them to the rest of the people. Because the problem is, most of us, when I started my career, I had to learn on the go. I had no mentors. I had no frameworks. I thought this was you know, just a bunch of geniuses creating something. And the reality is that this is becoming much more data-driven. And um, we decided to, to do this. It's kind of a hybrid in between technology and business, because you need to know enough about you know, how engineers work. You also need to know enough about how to market this technology, but you also need to know enough about design. So we'd like to define product as the intersection between both technology, business, and also design.
0: You, before this co-found- co-founded FLOG. What was FLOG, this pub- this uh, funded startup that you had?
1: That was an online education company. And I've been, I've started three companies in education in my life because I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with, with traditional education. Um, In reality, I never understood why we are supposed to study full-time until our mid-20s and then work full-time forever. Why we have to study a four-year full-time program while most of the content is actually relevant. So I always struggled with that idea. And I believe in lifelong learning. So Flog was actually an online platform to allow anyone teach anything. It sounds very grandiose. It's almost like YouTube, but just focused on education. The main problem with that company is that it's really hard to be the best at everything. And uh, my biggest lesson learned from there was whatever I build next, which in this case, it's product school. I wanted to really focus on just one thing that resonates with me and be the best at it. So what we do with product school today is really only teach product management and really bring the best product leaders to teach.
0: So with Flog, if I wanted to teach entrepreneurship or teach people how to use the iPad more efficiently or teach people how to interview, I could go and do it. Just hit record on my, uh, on my computer, and then upload the video to you. And that was up on, on the site, right? Exactly. And the model was what? Where was the money going to come from?
1: So the, it was a marketplace where instructors were able to set the price for their content. So then the community would decide if they're willing to pay for it or not, and how much they want to monetize. The marketplaces that you know are good businesses, examples of that could be Airbnb. But the problem is, you need a lot of resources behind them. You need a lot of traction to make sure that there is enough uh, enough transactions between supply and demand. And I learned a lot from that experience that actually brought me to Silicon Valley in the first place. But then I realized that it was better for me to focus on just one vertical and try to be the best. Before
0: we do that, I want to understand a little bit more about uh Flog, and then we'll see how it led to Product School, and then why Product School took off. How much of it did you build before you went to Chile to um, to to start, uh, start up Santiago.
1: Yeah. So the story is, I came to, so I started computer science in Spain. That's where I'm from, and then I soon realized that I want to spend the rest of my life coding. So my alternative at that point was to come to the Bay, to the States, to business school. I started in UC Berkeley, okay. and unfortunately, I couldn't stay because of my visa. I had to go back to Spain and start Flock. I I raised money there. Then I went to Chile, I raised more money there. And uh, and then came back because we raised even more money from an accelerator program called 500 Startups. So okay. that was kind of my long story short of how I'm back. Um, so we decided to, I'm very passionate about education. I, the reason is that there are a lot of features that I just didn't want to learn from. And at the same time, there were many other topics that I wanted to learn that weren't being covered in traditional education. So we decided to use technology to democratize
0: access to education. No, I'm with you on that. But let's let's walk with me on this. Tw- 2011, you had the idea, you launched it, right? How much How much did you have before you got money, say, from 500 startups? What so was, it I, was I was
1: able with? to build a product, okay. uh, what we call MVP, minimum viable product. Okay. something that it works. So if you go to the website, it's working. We had some traction, meaning there were some instructors on the website. There were some clients paying for it. We were still, we weren't profitable yet, but we were able to show some signs of progress to investors okay. that invested in us early on.
0: And people were going onto the platform. They were teaching. How did you get the teachers to come onto the platform?
1: Oh, at the very beginning, it was me and my co-founders. And I think that's a really powerful lesson learned for all entrepreneurs. Uh You can't just try to convince others if you don't believe in your product yourself. So I was the first instructor in marketing, in product, in the topics that I was very passionate about. And and my founders as well. We even involved my mom to teach, you know, uh, how to bake a brownie. (laughs) I remember back in the day.
0: And you sold those courses. I'm assuming you didn't sell your mom's course, right? It was just a freebie?
1: (laughs) Exactly. At the very beginning, it was all about getting more traction. So we would market those courses for free. With that, we were able to involve other people. And some of those courses were paid. And that's how we started.
0: Let's understand a little more. How did you get customers for the courses that you were teaching? How did you get the students to come in?
1: By leveraging the instructor. So in a marketplace, it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem. You have supply and demand and so instructors are the the people who are the most interested in getting students. So in that case, we wanted to make sure that every instructor, not just myself, would have the right tools to go out there and share on social media and other places that they are teaching a class. And then once you get more students into the platform, those students have access to other courses. So that's how you start creating some virality.
0: Got it, okay. And so that was that was starting to work. Why didn't it why didn't it take off? What you you told me about the problem of doing too much. But if each teacher can go and sell their own, pro- their own course, that seems like a model that, that works.
1: Yeah. And I think it all depends on the scale and how, how much of an impact you really want to make this, this model makes sense at a decent scale, but we really wanted to go big. We wanted to be the gold standard for anyone who wanted to learn anything. And that's just too much at the very beginning. So, especially in a in a place where it's not Silicon Valley, we realized that not everyone shared that same vision and ambition. So, my next you mean step not was, everyone
0: who worked with you shared that ambition?
1: No, actually, people who work with me shared that ambition. But in general, the ecosystem, like that, when we would go out there and pitch this type of idea to investors, in some cases it was just too big, and uh, we realized that we believed in it, but this wasn't the right place for us. So, you know, that was the next step for us to apply to an accelerator program. In Chile, we we'll start called Startup Chile, we get more funding, we go yeah. more global, we start attacking other markets and proving to then the next level of investors that this is an idea, this is a global idea, not just a local idea in my neighborhood in Spain.
0: Okay. And so I still don't see why it's a problem if you're if you're covering lots of different topics. I guess the one thing that I see is there isn't much cross pollination. If one person is teaching baking and another one's teaching product management, you can't say to the baker, do you want to learn product management? And it's a little bit uh, patronizing to say to the product manager, do you also want to learn to bake?
1: I mean, at that, I mean, I wouldn't say it, it won't work. There are examples of companies that have made it work. Udemy.com, I think is the best example. That company mm-hmm. is valued in multiple billions of dollars. They've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think that's the closest proxy. We couldn't make it work. And that was also a really good realization for me as a founder, which is, you know, like I can have a lot of passion, but I sometimes I'm not going to succeed. And that helped me then realize when I have to cut my losses and go for the next thing.
0: I know, I know I'm getting a little bit like I'm going in a loop here with you, but I remember talking to uh, the founder of Twitch, Emmett Shear. I said, you ran Justin TV. This was anyone can stream anything on the platform. Why didn't that work? Why did you have to go niche? And he said, we couldn't create tools that were unique to any one group of people. And as I thought about it, I realized I, as an interviewer who wanted to live stream on Justin TV, had a It was such a pain in the ass for me to get my guest on Justin, to get myself on Justin, to get my audio, to get the guest's audio, to also record it. It just wasn't prepared for me. And then a video gamer who wanted to broadcast their gaming on Justin TV found that they couldn't get enough stats. And what they wanted was stats for how many people were watching. What they wanted was to ping the networks that they were on, the gaming sites. And so they didn't have a good experience. And he said, the only way we could do well was by focusing on one group of people and then giving them all these little tools that were missing otherwise. And he focused on gamers because he, he loved gaming. And then he started asking them what tools they needed and focusing. I'm wondering, do you have any specifics like that? When you were going broad, any specific issues come up for you? Totally. Exact same thing. Like, uh-huh. It was
1: really hard to be the best at everything. Teaching how to bake brownies, teaching how to code, teaching how to run.
0: But do you have it any just... specific memories of things yeah. that weren't working? Yeah, give me one.
1: So I can give you one right now. So there were some categories like food. There were just too much competition because YouTube was offering a lot of content for free. Even okay. not just YouTube, but Wikipedia. Like you can learn a lot of how to bake something for free. I had no so was- idea. As you a race to the bottom, you're trying to monetize something that a lot of people have a, a free alternative. While at the same time, there were other categories that were really having much more traction, like technology or niche topics that you might not think that they're going to have that much product management was actually one of them. And that in a way, I didn't know that at the time. This is maybe eight, nine years ago, but that stuck in my mind. And then when I decided to start my next company, it's almost like I did the opposite of what I did at Flock. I decided to just pick one thing. I decided to start very, very small, not ambitions to change the world, just one by one, make sure that every single student and instructor has the best experience.
0: Got it. And then you can also, well, we'll talk about some of the things that you were able to do specifically because of that. Um, When you, when, can I call it failure? I know some entrepreneurs are uptight about that. Oh yeah, yeah, you can call it AI. It was a failure. How was it for you to handle it? I find that I take failure very, the big stuff, very, very badly. What was it for you when you, you raised this money from these people, you finally made it, you had the reputation, then you had to close up?
1: Totally. It wasn't easy um, because um, the culture of failure is, is hard, especially if, if you haven't embraced it uh, early on in your career. But um, in my case, I was able to build a really strong trust foundation with my investors Many of them actually continued supporting me as mentors or in other capacity throughout my career, even with some of my employees who are actually working in my current company. It wasn't easy. I'm not going to lie. It took me, took me time to, to accept the failure, to realize that I'm, I'm enough. I'm not a failure. I can get it done. I'm still young, healthy. I, I, I can give it another shot. And, and uh, I think I that's what, that's how I face life. you know, like I started engineering, and I also failed some subjects. i I love playing sports, and I lost some games. I kind of make it as part of the process.
0: I kind of imagined as I was reading up on you that you probably felt all the things that you felt and were snapped back into entrepreneurship by this understanding that this is who you were. Like even as a kid, you were an entrepreneur right? It's not like you needed some outsider to pep you up, from what I understand. It's that you internally were an entrepreneur, you knew you needed to create something, and you had to go and seize this opportunity that you noticed, which was, well, people did want to learn about product management, there was an opportunity, am I right?
1: I don't give up. And I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Actually, my dad was a doctor, my mom was a lawyer, they were always telling me, be safe. Find a go lifetime job. Go to school. Do this thing. But you know, it wasn't in me. I I, I would figure out how to get good grades. But on the side, I was always building things. Like that's what? To... What are some of the things that you that you were selling? So my first thing was actually not even a company, but that's how I discovered the internet. There was this uh, wristbands from Nike called LifeStrong, yeah, uh, to support the C- cancer foundation from yep. uh, Armstrong, and and they were sold out in Spain. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I could go online buy them that back in the day it wasn't really that obvious like you could go online i had to go to a library because i didn't have internet connection i I could put my credit card receive this and then start putting ads on the local newspaper to go and, and sell those in person and then potentially shipping them to other regions in the country
0: wow yeah you know what online ads are kind of easy going and buying one in the newspaper is a pretty big commitment spending money did it work out for you
1: it was incredible I mean, to a point where I was in high school at that time, I really considered, I started skipping classes because I was like, okay, if I go to class, I, I don't really yeah. much. And then if I go to the postal office and start shipping <laughs> Grisbands, I make a lot of money. So my, my parents didn't let me uh, quit, thank God, but I was able to pay for my master's degree in UC Berkeley thanks to that kind of business. <laughs>
0: Because you were just buying things and reselling I mean, them. What else what did I mean, you buy? Livestrong wristbands are not enough. What was your big seller? No, no, it was enough. I mean, it, was it was the in- Livestrong wristbands reselling them that got you yeah. into school, that paid your school? Yeah, because at
1: some point, I mean, this is incredible. At some point, I was able to cut the middleman and really buy online and ship directly to where the people were, <laughs> where I wanted to buy. That's you know? unreal. Know about the internet, so I really had a huge business. I did a partnership with the postal office. <laughs> the guy in the postal office were like, "You kid, how is it possible that you show up every day with small pieces of plastic and send them for like twenty to 50 bucks <laughs> <laughs> How much were you selling them for? Between twenty to fifty bucks. Wow, we, yeah, they, I. They cost, uh, me, they cost me one, by the way.
0: <laughs> one dollar, and you were twenty yeah. xing your uh your price. I heard you say to our producer, you used to think you were unique in that you had this entrepreneurial spirit. I know what you mean. I think you were unique for a period there. I know I was as a kid. This was not a common thing for kids to do. Now I think it's becoming much more common, right?
1: You know what's funny? I I think I was in the the right place. I I thought Uh maybe, maybe I thought I was unique just because I didn't know many people that were thinking about entrepreneurship. But when I came to Silicon Valley, I realized that I'm actually not unique at all. I just... I wasn't in the right place and I was able to meet many other like-minded people who were also very passionate about building things. And yes. that really fired me up.
0: It did. Oh, it didn't make you feel like you weren't special. It just made you realize, wait, there are all these people who are bringing more of this out of me exactly. and, and validating my feeling. Got it. And so am I right to understand that when FLOG didn't work out, one of the things that got you back was this feeling that you are an entrepreneur at heart going back to when you were a kid. Am I right about that? Honestly, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I, even I even after a flog? Well, after flog, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, after flog you did. Uh, yeah, what I'm wondering I mean, is how did, you, how did you go from being a flog to suddenly within months starting product school? I cannot help it, you know? I, uh, That's what I- I'm getting at. Yes, you're a person who can't help it. You didn't need somebody to pep you up. You didn't need somebody to push you. This is who you are at heart. Okay, yes. all right. And I also, I, here's another thing that I'm imagining. You taught a general assembly, right? That's an in-person school. That's also on your side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Am I right about that? Yes. Yeah. The um, I'm imagining also that you taught product management there and that fired you up and made you realize how important your your knowledge was and said, maybe I should focus on this.
1: Exactly. So when I decided to, to step down from my previous company, my wife told me, you have to take two months off until you figure out what's next. Don't worry, just, just take time off. And I couldn't help it. I, re- I received literally that same day an email from General Assembly saying that they were launching their first product management course. Uh-huh. And I did a partnership with the founders at Flock, actually. So I emailed them and said, hey, guys, this is amazing. I just want to help for free. Don't pay me. Yes, I just need to do something. I I, I miss the feeling of building and being in front of people. So they said, cool, absolutely. Go and and do it. And I did it. And I loved it so, so much that I went back to the founders after the first cohort and I said, okay, guys, this is big. We really need to build an entire school. We need to change the, 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 the curriculum. We need to do this and that. And they said, okay, but you know, our business is big enough. We're already monetizing with coding, design, data. Those were like more popular skills and product was never going to be at that level. And that was the final push for me to realize that I wanted to create a school just focused on product.
0: And the fact that it was a little bit smaller, maybe too small for them was actually good for you because it's what you were looking for. All right. I want to take a moment, talk about my, my, my first sponsor, and then we're going to continue with the story. And I want to know about like I heard you also didn't save much money considering how much you were making. And I want to know the situation that you were in when you started the business. But my first sponsor is a company called Zapto. My guess is, Carlos, you don't know Zapto, right? Oh, no. I'm going to tell you what they do. Get this. It turns out there are people who get clients from LinkedIn. Like, imagine if you wanted to find people who are product managers and you didn't know where to get started. You could go to LinkedIn. Obviously, you find someone who does product management at Netflix, product management at whatever company you're excited about, and you could send them a message. Now, why would you send them a message on LinkedIn? That's that's what I always wondered. Why not just get their email address and then email them directly? Apparently on LinkedIn, there's a high open, high response rate, over 30%. Am I right? Have you done it? Have you done this? I absolutely love it. I mean, LinkedIn is my favorite sport, Andrew. I, favorite sport? What do you do on LinkedIn?
1: I connect with a lot of people for many purposes, recruiting, for networking, for business. I mean, I live on LinkedIn.
0: And so what's your, what's your process? If you wanted to find somebody to come and teach at your class, what would, what's your process for messaging them?
1: Well, now it's very different than at the very beginning. At the How very beginning, at the beginning, it was, it was, it was me. <laughs> it was just
0: you, right. So when it was you, what was your process? You find someone who has the title that you're looking for. So at the
1: very beginning, I just taught all the classes myself for the first two years. Then I tapped into my friends' network and founders' network. So they started teaching with me. And then from there, we started building more sophisticated processes. Uh, we have a recruiting team in, in-house that is in charge of recruiting some of those instructors. And now uh. we're trying to leverage instructors to bring their friends as well.
0: So- One way you could have done it and one way somebody was listening to us could do it, if they're trying to find instructors or find customers, find anything on LinkedIn, what you do is you go to LinkedIn, you do a search for the job title that you're looking for. Maybe you even narrow it down by a certain region, et cetera, right? And then they send people who do it well, send one message at a time. And if you get a response, then you follow up and then you start to transition this small conversation into one that's, Hey, would you buy for me? Or would you work with me? Or would you whatever, partner up with our company. This one-on-one thing works incredibly well, but it's very, very time-consuming. So there are agencies now that will do this for people. They'll say, look, I know you need these type of businesses. We'll find them for you. Just pay us when we get a contact for you. Great. Sapto said, we're going to automate that. Imagine, Carlos, if you could do this, if you could say we're going into a city, we need to find product managers in that city who are going to teach, or maybe you've discovered there's certain companies that that are more likely to hire uh or pay to train their people with you. You just go into LinkedIn, you find those companies, find the right contact, and then you do a search and you find a bunch of these people. Well, what Zapto will do is, it'll send messages to them one at a time, at the time that you're ready to follow up. And as soon as there's a follow up, say, Carlos, this person's interested. They like this automated message that we sent out that looks very customized from you. You've got to follow up and you just go back in, you follow up directly. That's what Zopto does. It does this all in an automated way. There are people building whole agencies, doing nothing but getting leads for clients on LinkedIn using Zopto. All right, I'm going to recommend that people who are at all drawn to any of this go and find out more about Zopto by going to, here's a URL, it's a little bit longer, so note this down, it's worth it. It's get.zopto.com slash Mixergy. Get, G-E-T dot Zopto, Z-O-P-T-O dot com slash Mixergy. M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. Oh, you know what? What's another cool thing with it? If somebody's been on your site, you can target them then on LinkedIn. So imagine I come to your site and then I get a LinkedIn message saying, Hey, Andrew, I'm the founder of Product School. Well, I was just on them. I know them, right? Very effective. All right, let me continue on with your story. You had this excitement, you knew what you needed to do. What's the first step that you took with Product School?
1: The first step was very similar to my previous company. I did everything myself. I, first of all, had to figure out what I'm good at and what I'm very passionate about. Product school is a solution to my own problem. I wish I had this type of school when I was thinking about product management. So I was the first person full time. I had to create the school, teach all the classes, recruit all the students, really make sure that really that first cohort of eight people in San Francisco would have an incredible experience. And I would help them interview with companies, make connections, and do whatever it takes, because I knew that that was my marketing team. My success is actually my student success. And I had to do this for almost two years. So I basically two years, had to for-
0: Two years, just you teaching? Two years of you, was well, it live or recorded? So at that time, it was actually in person, live. In person, live. How many students would come in and listen to you live? Well, it were cohorts of up to 10 at a time.
1: Where would you do it? In the financial district in San Francisco.
0: Ah, that's right. Where my uh, office I, is. or what? I, would rent a, I would rent a meeting room in a, conference, in a co-working space. In like WeWork or something or yeah. Regis? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how would you get these students? Well, at
1: the very beginning, I was very, very popular on Quota. Okay. Quora.com is a really strong discussion yep. forum. So I was really focused on answering questions about product management. I would spend two to three hours every day oh. to make sure that literally I would answer the questions that people had around how to get a job in product, uh, things like that. And then I also started hosting free in-person events. So this is basically a meetup.com or eventbrite.com. I would okay. host, I would say, Hey, I'm I'm doing this free webinar or, or no, sorry, this workshop on prototyping or anything related to product. And I would bring 50 to a hundred people for free just to get a taste for what it would be like to take the full experience.
0: And so you would give them a taste and then convert them into in-person. Why did you do in-person? Why didn't you do it online and give yourself more, more access to more people? because I really wanted to
1: do the opposite of what I did in my
0: previous (laughs) company.
1: (laughs) Instead of trying to change the world, raise a lot of money, grow very fast, I said, you know what? I'm just going to pick one topic that I'm very passionate about. I'm going to go one by one. I want to meet my students. I don't want to meet more investors, and I want to make them successful. And I don't know how big this will get. Obviously, I want it to grow, but it wasn't my goal. My goal was to be happy, and I recognized that that was exactly the model that I was looking for.
0: Were you happy doing it one-on-one? I was. I was so
1: excited to really spend my time with passionate people that really were spending time and money on something. And I was able to really help and see the results. Education is not for everyone. Uh, It's hard to convince someone to become a teacher, but I really love it. And I believe in it.
0: I'm looking, by the way, at some of your core answers. Here's one, which product management book should every product manager read? And you've got this long response, 131 votes, uh, 131 views, that one has 24 votes. And this is the type of thing you were doing. You were basically writing that detailed answer with links and everything for 131 people. No, 238 people, excuse me. Yeah, and you know what? On
1: top of that, I know who the person is asking. So then I would follow up with this person on LinkedIn, send them a message, and in some cases, even meet with them in person if they were in San Francisco, just to help.
0: So one thing that you said to our producer that stuck out with me was, you didn't buy a house for yourself at this point in your life. You didn't save money or anything. You just had gone all in. So basically, I'm I'm assuming you were at $0 in the bank and just you still had the patience to work with people one at a time.
1: Yeah. So they say you only get bankrupt once. And that's what happened to me. You went literally bankrupt? Pretty much. um, After my previous company, I put everything, my heart, soul, my money, everything that you can imagine. I'm an all-in type of person. So, well, first of all, I was able to pay for my education in the US thanks to the small business that I built with the Brisbane. And then I was able to- my, when, I, when I got married, my wife was actually helping me support supporting myself for the first months. And then I was like, I'm not a modern. I really want to do something for myself. And being bootstrapped gives you much more control over your finances because I was investing my own time and I became profitable in the first month because I only needed literally yeah. one or two customers to pay the bills. What were you charging? I was charging $3,000 at the time.
0: For how long? For eight weeks, 40 hours. And the people who are coming in, were coming in with what jobs and then leaving, I'm assuming getting product management jobs.
1: Yes. So the, one of the key things that we do is all of the instructors, sorry, all of the students keep their full-time jobs. These are professionals with at least three years of experience. It's usually software engineers like myself who don't want to code anymore, or it can be management consultants or marketers who want to work in tech and be closer to the action. So they don't take a big risk because all the classes happen on weeknights or weekends. And um, that's how we did it. I found eight students through quota.
0: <laughs>
1: I, and with that, I, then I founded the, the community and I've been reinvesting everything into more growth.
0: So for you, what's more growth? Once you got, you get these eight students in a co-working conference room and it's working and you're seeing that they're, that they're doing it, that they're getting it. What's the next step for growth for you?
1: So that was a really important moment for me because my product mindset is telling me, you have to go big and you have to raise money. But the reality is it's working because it's me right now. Like I'm really spending my time to make sure these people are set up for success. So I don't think we were ready to, to grow at that point. I really wanted to put quality first. So that's why it took me almost two years until I hired that first instructor other than me.
0: How did you know it was working in the beginning? What does working mean?
1: Well, working means students getting jobs in product management or getting promotions, but also seeing their reviews online. I was making sure that, you know, if they had a good experience, they would they would go there on quota. If you type pro school on quota, you will see that there are over 500 reviews. And that also created some virality. Word of mouth was my best marketing. Still today, no,
0: so knowing that they loved it so much that they would go and talk about it. What about jobs? Were you tracking the jobs that they were getting?
1: Yes, and imagine now that they got a job, in some cases, some students are actually hiding. Uh, they, they, they were fighting their careers and now they're hiding that next generation of product managers. So it's really important for me to build that community, get to know everyone by name and make sure that they would be set up for success. One thing that I think worked for us was apply a strong filter at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Even
1: though I was desperate to have some money to survive, I had to say no some people that wanted to take the program just because I don't think they were ready.
0: You said to our producer, I would invite them to coffee, review their resumes, introduce them to my friends who worked at Google, at Facebook, et cetera. At this point, it was Carlos school, not product school. That's how deeply you were doing this whole thing. You almost had a heart attack.
1: I did. I, I Literally? Did. Sorry. I what happened? Did. What happened? I mean, it was, it was, it was tough. You know, two, it was two years with almost two full-time jobs. From nine to six, uh, Monday through Friday, I would be running the school. And then on weeknights, every every Tuesday, every Thursday, I would be teaching. Every Wednesday, I would be running a free workshop. And then on weekends, I would be teaching a weekend cohort. That was just a lot. And that also was a good a good reality check for me to realize that not only life, it's about work. And uh, I think getting married and now having kids really gave me a really good life uh, work-life integration.
0: I wonder about that. Lately, I've been thinking that it hasn't helped me, that it's... It's not just sucking up the time that I spend with my kids, which I love, and I get sucked into doing it because I love it so much. But even the time away where I could be thinking about work, I could be thinking about creating, I'm thinking about my kids and how my kid is now learning to play the flute and how could I make sure that he learns to play the flute better? Like, don't you find that too? How is it helping you? Yeah,
1: I was one of those thinking, Getting a girlfriend is a distraction. Having kids is a distraction. And then every time I hit one of those milestones, I realize my my life is wonderful and I'm happier and I'm even more productive because it forces me to find time for the things that really matter.
0: And that's your, your, is it helping you with your work? I'm okay with you saying, look, Andrew, truthfully, my company could have been a lot bigger if I didn't have kids, but I'm sacrificing it because I'm happier. Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying that it's also helping your work?
1: It's definitely helping me with work. And with that, because- First of all, my wife and I work together. (laughs) She is the CEO of the company. And that's an additional complexity because we had to define rules around separating. When can
0: you talk about it when you can't, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it also puts us on the same page. We're all working together towards the same goals in life. That means that 24 hours, we are thinking about family and our business, and we are able to you know, think together through what is important, what we need to delegate, what we need to do ourselves, who takes care the kid to, to where. And, you know, I just can't imagine my life in a different way. I I know that according to the business books, it's it's not the best option in some cases. And But I've also seen this work. And uh, just to make it even more complicated, my brother also works with me. And to be honest, it's a wonderful
0: partnership. I do find I've worked great. I still work great with my brother. It's It's helpful to have somebody who gets you to that degree, I imagine for some people it's not, but I I find it really helpful.
1: Totally. I think the level of trust that we we have among each other and also for me, it's very important to get feedback. So I know that they care about me and they have no problem sharing things how how they are.
0: So your wife is the one who said to you, look, you're not sleeping. You're, You're going through a lot of personal pain. You need to delegate. And the first thing you delegated was...
1: The first thing I delegated was to, I hired an, an assistant, someone as an extension of myself to take care of some smaller tasks at the uh-huh. beginning, because that was literally eating up my like life. What? Oh, well, I, we had to find more office space for, for the classes because the classes were getting bigger and we needed more than one class at a time. And that co-working space only had one conference room, for example. Wait, this is or, but
0: more than one class at a time, meaning you already at this point had another teacher, another product manager there.
1: Uh, well, even before I had a product manager, I, I had two classes in parallel, one on weekends and one on weeknights.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. And so somebody figuring out the office space, I could see that's Logistics and yeah. publishing all the events
1: on, on different social platforms. I Basically, I had to pick the things that I am best at and I kind of delegate, such as yes. writing good content on Quota or obviously teaching. Yes. But then there were many other logistics that I was able to delegate. And then from there, the ball gets bigger and bigger.
0: How'd you find uh, your assistant? On Craigslist. Oh, wow. And then how, it took me a while to learn how to work with an assistant, how to pass on the things that I do. How did you do it? What was your process for passing it on?
1: Oh my God. I think I'm still learning. Uh, It's not easy because um, I I also never had an assistant before, but I think it was brute force is realizing that I cannot do this myself. I really need help. And my body actually gave me a, a good warning. And then going through the list of priorities. I I treat my company as a product and I was a product manager before. So literally going through the roadmap and identifying what is really going to move the needle today. And then this is where I need to spend my time. And then these other things, in some cases, nobody has to do them. And if they need to be done because, you know, everyone has to do certain things that are not fancy. Well, maybe I can postpone them or I can delegate them. I'm still learning, but definitely getting help is, uh, is the only way to get to get further.
0: I'd like to find a really good book on that. Someone who has advice on how, in fact, I would read a couple of books because I find that when people have advice on how to work with an assistant, they're very dogmatic and they have their one way of doing it. And I'm open to lots of different ways. There's some people who are really step-by-step, have a Google doc or some kind of wiki with what you need done and force them to work step-by-step. There are others who are more about have them solve problems and let them work on their own. And I'm I'm good with both. I wanna understand how both work and then I wanna see the third and the fourth and the fifth option. I'm intentionally talking about it so someone in the audience will reach out and tell me. (laughs)
1: And I I love, I'm in love with lifelong learning. I think we drink our own champagne. So I'm always curious about how other people do things. How can I get better? How can I go there faster? And I'm constantly investing in myself. Back in the day, it was through getting an assistant, but today it's, it's working with an executive coach, it's belonging to CEO peer groups, it's having an advisory board, whatever it is, you know, like everyone will decide what's best for them to learn. But I think if you don't invest in yourself, you can become a bottleneck
0: for your business. I am too. I think what you said earlier just resonated with me, the idea that we go through school for the first 21 years of our lives to learn things, hoping that we'll remember it for the last 80 years of our lives. It's freaking nuts. I'd much rather, especially when I was younger in school and wanted to go do something, to take some time off of school, go do something like what you were doing, go explore that, learn from it, and then come back and continue to learn. I I used to be all into learning from books, then uh, online courses, the thing that I, I've lately been discovering is I have a coach who is working with me on one specific thing. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I've been into writing. I found this woman who works at Penguin Publishing and it started out as once a week, now twice a week. I'm writing, she's giving me feedback. It's not general knowledge, but it's here's what this general knowledge that I'm teaching you means for the work that you're sending me. That was really helpful.
1: Totally. I mean, and we also try to apply the same, concept to our courses. Because if you you sign up for a gym, for example, that doesn't mean that you're going to get your workout in. And uh, there's, there's a reason right. why some people actually get a personal trainer, because you also want that accountability. And you also want to make sure that you are doing the right exercises and you are progressing fast. So in education, I think it's the same. A lot of the content can be found online and it's almost free. But at some point, you are serious about a topic. It's important to invest money and time and obviously have some type of peer pressure to make sure that you are making more progress.
0: Sean Souza one of my past interviewees started sending me these photos that he took and he goes, I took, you like this photo? I go, Yeah. He says, I forget the number. He says, I took 800 photos just so I can get this one. Right. I go, that was, how did you do it? And he says, and then I had to edit it. I said, that's a pain. How'd you do all that? He started telling me, I said, that's a pretty intense workflow. How'd you even get that? I know when I was editing all the videos that I, or some of the videos that I shot when I was in, uh, uh, Antarctica, the workflow was a pain to learn. He goes, I hired a coach, somebody who's done this and I'm just working through their process. And I feel like I, I need much more of that in my life. Um, you know, one other thing that I got a coach for, I haven't started yet, but one of my other interviewees got a sex therapist as a coach. I go, I don't believe that you're the person who you did that. I go, all right, if he's doing it, I'm doing it too. We're going to start, I think, uh, this, this Friday or Saturday.
1: You no, know, when people come to me and ask me what type of course should I take? Or it, I, like, I don't think learning will make you worse. And I think if anything, you will learn what you like and what you don't. You can always change. I think one of the beautiful things about lifelong learning is that you don't have to commit to four years full time anymore
0: right. to then make a decision. I do find that there's some people who are really terrible at teaching and others who are, who are great at it. And it's hard to figure out who's worth investing in, you know? Some great teachers are really frustrating at first because they're pushing your, your buttons right from the beginning. Um, but you have to stick with well, it. So I never know who to stick with and who not to. I need good reputation.
1: Teaching is the ultimate learning, I believe.
0: Yeah. Are you, are you turning some of your product uh, management students into teachers now?
1: Not yet, because uh, there's a big gap between getting your first product management job and then be uh, what we call a product leader to teach that next generation. So just to give you an idea, the, the type of instructors who teach at Pro school are VPs of product at Netflix, Google, Facebook, or Uber. And uh, they have at least 10 to 15 years mm. of experience working in product. And our students, they have at least three to five years of professional experience, maybe not in product, and we are helping them get that first product management job.
0: Got it. All right. Um, let me talk about my second sponsor. It's a company called Gusto for for paying your people and for taking care of them. Um, What we're finding now is that a lot of people are moving all over, right? And in the past, if you had a company that worked in a state, if you had a company where everyone was in one state, it was fairly easy to pay them. You dealt with a payroll manager. I I remember dealing with one of these companies that they were so proud that they were digital. I go, great Send over the documentation. He goes, I I will send it over. In fact, I'm going to bring it to your office. I've got an iPad. i was so freaking proud. He had an iPad and one of these stinking pencil, not the Apple pencil, but one of these stinking styluses that I got to sign his PDF on. That was his digital experience for me. It was awful. But I, I stuck with them partially because they had somebody I could talk to. What I like about Gusto is they have all that digitized completely A to Z. They were built from from the beginning as a digital company to help us as the people who are paying our our team to to pay them and not get sucked into, into payroll. And it also makes it easy for them to get paid, makes it easy for them to get medical, dental, vision. And when we have trouble or questions, or we're unsure about something, like what happens if somebody moves from California to Austin, Texas, or somewhere else? How do we handle all that? Well, they've got certified HR experts ready to help if you're if you're paying your people full-time employees contractors whatever you got I urge you to go to gusto.com slash Mixergy throw in that slash Mixergy at the end we'll get you three months for free of their service and we'll let them know that your buddy Andrew Warner sent you so please go to gusto.com slash Mixergy you're going to not you your employees are going to thank you and you're going to forget to thank me but that's okay because I'm so proud of the sponsors that I have and the impact they have on my, on my listeners. That's all that matters. No, I do want you to know, please tell me, tell me if it works for you and how it works for you guys go to gusto.com slash and let me know, Carlos, your first teacher from what I understand was a senior product developer at LinkedIn. Am I right?
1: It was a senior product manager at LinkedIn. Yes. Okay. And that really changed the trajectory of the business uh, because he was also a recruiter for product managers at LinkedIn. (laughs) And and it was literally the perfect person. And I could actually use LinkedIn to reach out to him. And he was one of the early believers who said, this is really cool. I want to give back to the community. And uh, we're still friends. And it was really powerful because I wanted to move from Carlos school to really product school. And I knew that even though, of course, I have, uh, I, I think I was doing a good job. I was never going to be the best, and it was very important for me to be able to delegate so we could grow. And he was a tipping point in our company.
0: What did he teach, or how did he his teaching differ from yours?
1: Well, he was he had more experience building products at companies that had much more traction because I come from the startup world. He was a senior product manager at LinkedIn. And he also had experience hiring product managers, not just at LinkedIn, but before at Facebook, he used to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg. Ah, So he was not only teaching how to build products. He was also teaching how to get a job in product management and actually how to leverage LinkedIn to do
0: so. So it was really a perfect fit. So did you have a curriculum? What I'm curious about is you must have had your own style of teaching and also your own approach to product management. He had his, how do you Connect the two without having people feel like this is a schizophrenic class?
1: Yes. So it took us time. That's why it took me almost two years to delegate. The first classes, we actually did them together to learn about each other. We had a lot of conversations offline to make sure that our philosophies aligned. But still today, now, it's not about my curriculum or other person's curriculum. We have a dedicated education team. And most of the, instru- not the most, but a lot of instructors who teach actually contribute to a curriculum, a subject matter experts. And we have a much more robust process now to control versions and make sure that the practices that we are teaching actually best in class. And they've been adopted by so many different companies across the world and not just based on what one person thinks they say.
0: Give me me an example. What's one of the pillars of product management as you've seen it?
1: Yes. So, for example, how to work with engineers. It's a really big part. And um, product management differs from company to company, even from country to country. So it was very important for us to get some data points and really reverse engineer how product is done at Google, Facebook, Netflix, Uber, Airbnb, and others and really understand how to put it together into some frameworks that are commonly acceptable. Mm -hmm. Understanding that, of course, at the end of the day, you have to take those frameworks with a grain of salt because each company is different and you'll have to modify them according to your needs.
0: I'm looking at an early version of your website. I like how simple it was. And immediately you were grabbing people's LinkedIn profile and yes, email address, of course, whenever I, I, even I wanted to see the syllabus. It said, what's your phone number? My hunch is you wanted to call these people up and understand what what they thought what they were looking for, right? Oh, I did. I actually built a website
1: and I called every single person personally. Plus I connected with them on LinkedIn. In some cases, I said before, I used to have coffee with them because for me, it wasn't really about just charging money. It was really learning. I wanted to make sure that this was the right fit. And I didn't know. At the very beginning, my idea was very different from what product school is today. And and it's part of the process.
0: What about the other roles? Letting go of marketing, marketing was you with Cora and meetup how did you find other people to do that and how'd you pass it on
1: yes well i think as a as a founder especially as a ceo you have to decide how big you want to grow and where you want to focus on similar to the example we were discussing with the the assistant and I realized that I cannot do this alone and that the team today needs me in certain areas of the business and I'm not the best at others. And that's okay. So for me, I come from a product and marketing background. That's what I'm most passionate about. So I was I started delegating other areas of the business, right, such as operations, HR, finance, legal, and so on. I still... I still, to this day, very close to marketing and product. And then eventually, well, first of all, my brother works with me. He's the head of product. So that was a really easy transition for me because I fully trust him. And then from there, obviously, we can I just don't have enough brothers. So then we had to go there and, and hire people. But I take recruiting very seriously. That's also one of the functions I still participate in today because I know what it is to make the wrong hire. And um, I try to be very careful with what we call today cultural fit. This is something that I didn't pay much attention at the very beginning because, you know, it was my friends in the same room. But now that we're a fully distributed team with almost 100 people, we pay a lot of attention to, you know, people's personalities just to make sure that they are here for the long term.
0: You mentioned something that reminded me that you at some point felt betrayed by people. What do you mean by that? What type of betrayal from work? Yes. So
1: in education, probably in other businesses as well, um, we got employees who uh, took advantage of our curriculum and tried to create a competitive business, ah. then with instructors. So still to this day, there are so many competitors. When I started, there were very few. Now, if you try to find, there are people who are literally taking our domains. So instead of prodschool.com, they would take a different mm. domain or instead of school, they would call it with you know a synonymous word to make the user believe that this is us. And again, that's every different philosophies and work ethics, but I try to, put those feelings aside, recognize that obviously that's not something that I want, learn from that experience to hopefully be better at hiding, and then focus on what we are best, which is building a really good community. Our competitors are not other startups. Our real competitors is the traditional business school, is the traditional MBA program, which is two years, full-time, costs over $100,000. And we get so many students that graduated from an MBA saying, Hey, Carlos, I realized I want to be a product manager. By the way, there was no product management class in my two-year program. And they are trying us to fix that for them, you know, for $4,000 on weekends. And we're happy to do so, but that's what I see the opportunity.
0: You, you mentioned the community a couple of times. Can you say how many people are in your community? I mean, you and I talked about it in private, but I don't yeah. know how much you want to share. So
1: there are over 1 million members in our community. And what I mean by community is that in addition to the training piece that we discussed, we have over 90% of resources that are absolutely free and available for everyone, from a job board to different books. We produce about a thousand events per year, six conferences, um, so many different resources. And you can just go online and and take advantage of them. I'm here for the long term. And I understand that, first of all, this is not for everybody. What do you mean by
0: community? It's it's not a Facebook group. What is it? Where is it housed?
1: It's much bigger than that. Community means a safe space online where people can really connect with other people. That's where is your that safe space? place? Let, let's so be our, uh, our uh, website, specific. Our website. website. Yeah. If you go to our website today, productschool.com, you can get access to so many different product management resources.
0: What, but From, is it is it a community where I'm talking to other product managers? Yes. So
1: there is a discussion forum where you can connect with other product managers. There's a job board where there are companies hiring. There are um, interview cheat sheets. There are templates to teach you how to create roadmaps and other deliverables. There's where so is that? People. I don't
0: see the community. I guess there it is. Product, school, no, product Go to pro-
1: productschool.com slash free. You'll see the entire ah, collection of free resources. Got it. My goal with, with the community is to really try to touch as much people as possible and, and help them and give value. I think that's the first premise here. Like, I don't want to sell you something. I really want to, to set you up for success. And then if down the road, there are some of our premium offerings that can help you accelerate that career, absolutely. But I didn't want to create just a business. I wanted to create a community first.
0: I see. All right. And so when you say a million members, it's a million million people on lots of different platforms. It seems like the biggest one is the product Hunt Slack community, right? And number two is the Facebook community.
1: Yes. We are also big on Slack. LinkedIn LinkedIn, is big for us. Reddit, absolutely. Quota, obviously.
0: Yep. And then if I'm trying to understand where you're getting customers now, it looks like it's customers referring other customers right it looks like it's also still quora and places like that it looks like linkedin content is sending you a bunch of traffic that's where you're getting a lot of your customers right
1: yes because we produce a thousand events per year those are all online and free and we stream them through our linkedin page
0: Ah, oh, Okay. All right. So that's where you're getting customers. What else? What's one other thing that I can't tell on my own that's leading you to get more customers? Do so you have if, partnerships? Yeah, go ahead.
1: So if you Google product school testimonials or product school reviews, you will see that we have hundreds, if you not know, thousands of positive reviews from students on Yelp, on Google reviews, uh, other sites that are focused on education. Yeah. You know where, where I really saw powerful. it?
0: It was switchup.org. You guys yes. have a bunch of reviews on there. That's really big for you.
1: Switch at the peak. There's another one called course report. So that type of word of mouth that I told you at the beginning, which was me having coffee with with people in person, now we're trying to scale that online.
0: Got it. What's next for you guys? Let's close it out with that.
1: We're building an entire certification path, not just Ah. for aspiring product managers, but also for experienced product managers that want to get that next promotion. And we're also doing a lot of corporate training for large organizations that want to do more specific custom programs just for the product teams. All
0: right. The website is... ProductSchool.com, not any of these other random top level domains. I actually couldn't, let me see if I go product school. Dot, let me just put in some random top. No, you own the.co product yes. school. Well, don't, don't even give me any on this here. ProductSchool.com is what it is. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, you've heard me talk about them for so long. If you have a team of people, you need to pay them. You need to know about Gusto. Go look them up. Go research them, and you'll see how good they are. Gusto.com slash Mixergy will get you started right with those three months for free. And if you are at all trying to recruit customers, trying to get in front of the right people, LinkedIn, you know, is the right way to do it. Messaging them one-on-one is very effective, but it's very time-consuming. There's a piece of software that does this so freaking well. That it's going to blow your mind i want you to go to this url to get it it's called zopto and the url is get.zopto.com slash mixergy get get get.zopto.com slash mixergy i'm grateful to them for sponsoring and carlos thanks so much thank you all right bye everyone